Wonderful to be found in the presence of God this morning. Amen. Nice to see everybody making the way back over the summer. We have another long weekend coming up. And after that, I'm sure everybody will be back. Nice to see you, Sister Tracy, family back, and the various ones. God bless you. I just thought I'd make a couple of announcements. You can just still play a little background on that because it's in theme with this message this morning. September the 9th, we'll be going back to our regular schedule. There'll be two services back on Sunday, and I'm looking forward to that. Sometimes the Sundays seem to drag out a little bit. I love to come to the house of the Lord, so that will be starting September 9th. Uh, Brother John and Brother Tim Andes will be traveling back. This is their last service right now as they're in Malawi, and they'll be back on Tuesday. So let's pray for their safe return home. Brother Dodds will be speaking on Wednesday night, Brother Tim, and then he'll be leaving to Grand Prairie for a family camp to join them up there, and then after that to Boston with Brother Murphy for a missions meeting. So we're in the field. That's a good, that's very good. Brother Bram said, when you're doing missions, you're always in the will of the Lord. So we're thankful that we can walk in the will of God and proclaim this message that God has given us in this hour. Brother Bram talked about, and I'm so happy to hear about what's happening at the booth and the brothers handing out tracts and, and uh, leaflets. And I was just going through a message, and Brother Bram was talking about going to India. And he said, Brother Branham, he said, we got a lot of tracts and we got a lot of books. He says, but we want to see it living in people. And, that, and that's the main thing, handing out a track in the book, that's good. And I'm so glad I got one. But I'm so glad that that word became a living epistle, read and known of all men. And that's what our prayer is, that whoever grasps that, that seed, that seed will be quickened by the word of God. So God bless all those that labored at, that, at the fair. Amen. Are you hungry this morning? All right. Well, I'm going to continue from last week speaking about the veil being rent and the glory way that that has been opened up for us I think it's opened up more than what we realize and and you know we 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 say well it's the unveiling of God or the mighty God unveiled before us and we 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 label those as titles rather than what it is because he's, a prophet is making a statement where the thought of God is being now projected to the people. And so it's not titles that when you take a message, it's not a title. It's a proclamation of something that's laying now in the message for us to enter into. And when he says the veil has been torn, he means the veil has been torn. When he says tradition veils have been torn he means that traditional veil has been torn so that we could enter into that holiest of holies and live in the Shekinah glory not just a statement but a reality and that's why we we trust that the Holy Spirit will help bring to us this morning that the message isn't just some words that we minister but that we can bring the reality 
of what the Holy Spirit wants us to experience in the Word. And that's what's key and important. I was going to actually open up the service with an altar call. You say, well, Brother Tom, you haven't even preached the Word yet. But you know where you're at. And it's not an altar call for more of God or, you know, fill me, Lord, with more of your grace. That's something that's in the heart of the believer every day. It's for somebody that maybe not know the grace of God, not know him in the power of his resurrection, not know him as your redeemer and savior. Because if we miss that, saints, we miss everything. We can preach of the high and the depths and the and the opening of the word, but if we miss the reality of why Christ came, it needs to be applicable to our children and to every adult that is here this morning. And may the Lord just grace us with his presence, speak to our hearts, move us into deeper depths and higher objectives, move us from tradition. Move us from just being here at Cloverdale Bible Way on a Sunday morning. Move us into the very presence of the Shekinah glory. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father. Songwriter wrote, How I long to be a dwelling place for the presence of the Lord. Lord, would you rip the veil from up our eyes this morning? We could see you high and lifted up in all of your splendor and glory. Many of us, Lord, sit at a certain spot in the church because that's what we do. Nothing wrong with that. Lord, we want to experience something more than just sitting in our seat. We want to experience an encounter of God. That you can come by and you can deal deeply with our inner man. The prophet called it the seed germ. And then he called it the seed gene. Lord, awaken it again and let the S-O-N shine on it, Lord. Shine on it brightly. And those that have joined with us, Lord, by the way of the internet, not knowing who and where they are, you do. So you can break the bread and you can feed the multitudes. And so, Lord, we put it into your hands and say, Father, would you do your eternal work this morning? In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. 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 God bless you. Without any further delay, let us go to the word of the Lord. I'd like to turn to Matthew. We'll be going to Matthew 27, 51. Then I'll have you flip to Mark 15, 37 and 38. You don't have to remember it. I'll tell you when. And then Luke 23, 44 and 45. And lastly, John 19 and 30. So Matthew 27 and 51. Matthew, St. Matthew 27 and 51. 
And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. The graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Would you say an event was taking place? And came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. And it goes to verse 40, 54, which we read last week. And the Roman centurion said, truly, this was the son of God. And I said, I, I, the word there shouldn't be was, not that I'm correcting the scripture. He's not was, he is. Truly, this is the Son of God. Can you turn to Mark 15 and 37? Are you there? Mark 13. 15, I'm sorry, and, and 37. And Jesus cried with a loud voice, gave up the ghost, and the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. And verse 38 says, and the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. So we have Matthew writing its account. We have Mark writing this account. So let's now turn to Luke, please. Chapter 23, 44, and 45. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour, and the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. So we have Matthew's account, we have Mark's account, we have Luke's account. Similar. Can we go to John? John chapter 19 and verse 30. Now you have to understand, and maybe I'll, um, maybe wait till you're seated before I start preaching. St. <laughs> John 19. And verse 30. And when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may have your seat. Good morning. God bless you. As we have read and, and already duly noted, that each one of the Gospels, whether it be Matthew, Mark, and Luke, one being lion, uh, the lion anointing, as we know, the ox, the burden bearer, Mark. We have Luke, the spirit of a man, and each one of them gave an account that the veil had been rent 
in two. Noted that it was from top to bottom. Noting that then it was God that tore the veil. It was God that then gave entrance for man to come into the presence of God. So we've got Matthew, we've got Mark, we've got Luke. But in no account of John being under an eagle anointing, does he make any reference to the veil being rent? But he's giving reference to what it meant. It is finished. I could, I, I really, for myself, as I've studied, of course, and I know where I'm at, and I'm trying to bring you there, to me, that's enough for the service. So you have the account that we know that Brother Bradham gives us how that they had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness, and there was three stages, or there was the outer court, inner court, and holiest of holies, which we've covered. And it was in that holiest of holies that the Shekinah glory dwelt. But there was only one man allowed once a year to enter into the presence of God. One time. With a charger of blood. And if God accepted it, then the sins were remitted or they were covered over. It didn't free the worshiper of a deliverance. It just covered their sin. And then, of course, we know Solomon's temple, and we all, I'm sure our Sunday school children could give me the, the dimensions maybe of the temple and how that there was the outer court, inner court, and holies, the holies in the glory cloud or the Shekinah glory dwelt in the holiest of holies. And so we know that there was a veil, and that veil could only be opened once a year by the high priest. No man could enter in to the glory of God. And then we go to the New Testament, and we find then that God's sacrifice lamb came. Not just to cover sin, but to take sin away. So then if sin is taken away from man then there has to be an entrance given so he can go into the presence of God. So it's not a man that's making the declaration. It was God that did and rent the veil and opened up a way for fallen man to come and have fellowship with him once again as he once had with Adam in the Garden of Eden. You're still with me. I'm slowly going along. So then if all the, let's say, the, the Gospels are being, uh, making record of this event and telling us that it's torn, it's torn, it's torn, then John is coming saying he didn't make mention of being torn He's making mention that redemption or atonement or the ransom was paid and cried out, it's finished, it's done, 
you can enter into fellowship. So a way was being made for man once again to have fellowship with God. And I thought it was very wonderful that John was the one that gave us the reason and the purpose of the veil being torn. Now, we say, well, behind that veil was the Shekinah glory of God. We say, well, it's the Shekinah glory of God. If you take a look at the word Shekinah, it means a visible or a perceptible manifestation of the presence of God. So if the Shekinah glory is being made available now, not just to one man, but to men and women, that this one man's offering made a way that you and I can enter in and that we can be in the presence of God, then there must be a visible or perceptible manifestation of that Shekinah in the person. So it once was in a tent, then it was in a temple, but now he's dwelling in temples, sitting in this wonderful little church. The Shekinah was once there, it was once here, And now you can say, Brother Tom, he made a way so that Shekinah or the glory or the presence of God can dwell in me. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Well, then, because then of that, then there has to be a visible or otherwise perceptible manifestation then of his presence. So we say, I've got the glory of God. I've got the Holy Ghost, Brother Tom. That's right. I'm not going to question that. You don't have to question it. Just look at the tree. Look at the tree. What kind of fruit is it bearing? Look at the tree. There were men throughout the Old Testament that just were examples, as the Bible says in Corinthians. They were, it was examples for us. Whether it be Joshua, whether it be Caleb, whether it be Moses, that when they went into the presence of God, the scripture says in Corinthians, that they put a veil over Moses' face. Now, I would say there was something visible and perceptible about that. And yet it was just still a covering. People went in, and, and, and it just didn't annihilate the sin in their lives. But they were examples of us, for us, I should say, whether it be Joshua, Brother Bram makes reference to, whether it be uh, Caleb that believed in what Moses had to say in the Exodus hour. He said there was Moses, whether they liked it or not. They crucified him. You say, well, he didn't go to the cross. 
But they crucified. There's the Dathan and the Korah, and Brother Branham called it Satan. He called it the devil that was crucifying the word to the people. But Moses still had a desire for that Shekinah, for the glory of God. And whether the people liked it or not, whether they tried to crucify him or not, whether they stoned him or not, God had spoken to Moses' heart, and he must say it. Not to be different, but to be obedient. For obedience is better than sacrifice and hearkening under the fat of ram, see? It was in his heart, and he must do it. It was his life. He couldn't hold it. When God came with his word, he couldn't hold it. He had to speak it. Though it be veiled, the veil had to come off for the word to go forth. And when the veil was taken off, the word was given out, whether the people liked it or not. It was thus saith the Lord. But there will always be an aspect of a crucifixion when the word's coming forth. It doesn't matter whether it was in Moses' day, Jesus' day, Paul's day, our day. There will come a crucifixion with the word. And I might get personal this morning. I said to the brothers, I might have to go out on a limb, but don't chop the branch off on me, please. When he came into the presence and that word was in him, he had to speak it. It wasn't something that was kept for himself. The word is never for yourself. As a preacher will preach the word, if, you just, if we just took it all in and had no way of giving it out, we'd explode. We have to give it out, saints. You have to give it out. You have to speak it out. There has to be a visible or perceptible manifestation of the glory of God that is in a believer. And thus, as we heard on Wednesday night, the prophet thus did tell us how to dress, thus did tell us how to act, thus how we should be amongst the people of God. But being that we are this far down the road and we say, Brother Tom, I'm ready for rapture. Only for the new ones, it should be applicable because we've already been in the glory of God and we know what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. He couldn't hold it. Moses couldn't hold what he had. I remember when I first got saved, and I, I, I was so excited. 
And maybe it was to do with my personality or whatever. But I, I was thrilled to know my sins were forgiven. And I wasn't about not to speak about the glory of God. When I first come busting, I'll never forget, I come busting through the front doors of my mom and dad's house, running up the stairs, and the first thing that came out of my dad's lips was, what happened to you? I still had my long hair. I still looked like the person I was before I left. But something happened on the inside. Something happened that nobody could explain, but only those that are believers understand. What happened to you? And the first words that came out of my lips was, I'm saved. Well, that didn't go over big, and that's another story. But there's something in us, we can't hold it. Brother Bram said there's something that's a pulsation that pushes you. God has so much complete control of them till he has their voice and their action. Come on, it's perceptible. Stay with me. It's visible. He's got so much control of us. He's got control of your voice and he's got control of your action. You say, praise the Lord, Brother Tom. I pass the riven veil where the glories never fail. Then he's got control of your voice and your action. Can I hear the balcony say amen? amen. Do, do we still sing that song? We've passed the riven veil where the glories never fail. Hallelujah. He says, there's something in us. He's got control of your voice. He's got control of your action. There's something that's a pulsation. There's something that pushes. And it's not just the preacher. It's to the believer. This message was, came for believers. He's got control of their voices, of their actions. Hallelujah. Then he goes on and says, Victor, give me a church that's so completely anointed with God till their every action and move is thus saith the Lord. Oh, God. Now, that's a big one, and I had to really look at it myself. Every action. So, you know, I'm preaching to Brother Tom Ray also. So when I do that, every action, give me a church so completely anointed with God till their every action and move is, thus saith the Lord. Walk in the Shekinah glory. Walk in the Shekinah glory. Every action is, thus saith the Lord. And walk in the Shekinah glory and I'll show you a Messiah, anointed one of God standing on the earth. Right. 
Starting big. What a responsibility we have as the bride. So then we say, well, then it's not just title now, Brother Tom. It's not just the unveiling of God that we're talking about. It's not just the mighty God unveiled before us that we're talking about. Because now that veil has been torn and the responsibility now, it's not on the high priest to go in once a year. It's that we need to go in and live on a daily basis. Oh, we say Shekinah and unending is all I long for. Don't long for it. Get in. So we've read Matthew, read Mark, we've read Luke. John makes the exclamation, it's finished then. It's finished. Tom, you can go through the veil now. The veil was rent not only in the temple, but on Calvary. A blood sacrifice was being offered once and for all. He cried out, finish. And so I penned down, if only we as the sons of God could lay a hold of those kind of words. When God speaks it, it's finished. If we could just lay a hold of everything that God has spoken, because once he speaks it, it's finished. It's finished. John has given us a window now. The power of that sacrifice on Golgotha. Not just that the veil was opened up, because what did it do for the Jews? They still have a veil over them. They still have it today. But praise God, the veil was open. To the likes of you and I to see him in all his glory. You say that's not his glory, that is his glory. Absolutely. There he was, mutilated, hanging on the cross, the bleeding lamb, sacrificed, crying out, I paid redemption's price. The atonement's made, the ransom's paid. Finished. Claim your promise. Don't look at me and wonder if this is gone or is that gone. It's either you're saved or you're not saved. You're either redeemed or you're not redeemed. You're either in the Shekinah or you're not in Shekinah. Slow it down again. So then we say redemption's price was paid. Can you go with me there, Brother David? That was redemption's price paid at Calvary. Can, can you go with me? The sun was, was rent. The veil was rent. Given an entrance now into the glory of God. All things are possible. 
then in that redemption, can I ask the question then? Was that redemption? Was that redemption? I, 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 okay. Oh, I better ask over here. Was that redemption? God redeeming us back. Okay? So then, if that is God's redemption to us, is as a result of redemption to the believer. Are you ready? Because I'm just going to go through some points now. That I want you to realize that there is a visible and perceptible manifestation of the presence of God in you. That you can look beyond the veil of Victor and Sarah. That you can look beyond the veil of the brother or sister beside you and say, I don't see West Nygaard. I see God in West Nygaard. That's what we have to see. We don't want traditional veils again. Well, he just sits there because that's the best spot for him to get out. No. He's sitting there because he's a word-born bride of Jesus Christ. Redeemed by the blood of the lamb. And an entrance has been opened to him to walk into the presence of God. So because or a result of redemption's price being paid. The believer, because of that, because of this sacrifice, once and for all, by this man, Christ Jesus, every sin is completely forgiven. You couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Bible way cannot do it. But the blood of Jesus Christ can do it. So now, when an announcement is being the unveiling of God, he's unveiling himself in what he is. He's tearing denominational tradition because they just thought it was a gift of Brother Branham, but it was a veil hiding God. Don't let that be too strong for you. Don't let that be too strong for you. He has a veil and you have a veil. It's called Danny sitting there. That's your veil. But inside that veil is a God part. So they missed it. They thought it was a gift. It was the giver of the gift. Because he kept on saying, it's not me. It's him. I don't know you. It's him. Why? Because the high priest, the veil is open. The high priest was present. And now the word was going forth. So because of this way that's been opened up to us, because as a result of this redemption, listen, we're not preaching some weak need gospel here, young man. 
This is not some Methodist ideology that you're given or some Baptist theological jargon that's going to be preached to you. I'm going to preach to you the word of God and what came through a mouth of a prophet. And that word that came through the mouth of that prophet is not the words of a man, but the words of God speaking directly to his bride. Do we understand that church? So we're past now. We're getting past that veil. Getting past the veils. We're tearing the veil. So because of that torn veil, because of Christ that gave you an entrance, because now we see him as that sacrifice that was given, because of that, the believer, and now we have a prophet coming at the end of the age telling us, at the end of his ministry, you never did it in the first place. How can he say that? Because now he's taking all the loose ends, tying them together to let you know you have been forgiven, every sin's forgotten, they're under the blood of the lamb, and he's marrying a virtuous bride, spotless by his word. It couldn't be by merit. It had to be by the word. So because of this redemption, we understand then an understanding of the infinite cost it took to procure it or to purchase it for us. God of glory who had no beginning. Right there pops my little brain. How do you have a being that didn't have a beginning? Think about it for just one second, but don't think too long because then it'll go pop, pop, pop. I mean, before there was a million, gillion, trillion years, there was God, and before that. Well, where did he come from? He's God. So this great God of glory that dwelt in the infinities... who spoke worlds and galaxies. Stars are still being born. Just watch it when Nassau tells you there's no more stars being born. Because then then that last one comes in, we're going home. Just watch it. But he creates universes and he's still a creator. Because he's a creator, he can't stop creating. It's an attribute of what he is. So he creates and creates and creates. And this creator didn't have anybody to worship him. And we heard about Brother Andy speaking about angels. I don't know how many angels. And you can argue how many angels can stand on the head of a pin. I don't care. But then he's got all different kinds of angels. And then he became God because now he became an object of worship. But he wasn't satisfied then. There was something in him that nobody knows and nobody knew until a prophet came today and started to unveil this mighty God. Said there was attributes of a savior, attributes of a father, attributes of a deliverer, and it had to be manifested. So then if those attributes are being manifested, it can't stop. 
So if he's delivered once, come on, he'll deliver again, Mark, and again, and again, and again. He's a savior. He'll save, and he'll save, and he'll save. My God and Savior came, and Jesus was his name. What a cost it was to procure, to possess, to purchase your forgiveness. Through this shedding of blood, let's turn to to Colossians chapter 1. We'll read it, verse 8. Colossians chapter 1. I'm sorry, Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. How did I do that? Colossians 2, verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, vain deceit, after traditions of men, after the rudiments or the elements of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That, by the way, is not in a Jehovah's Witness Bible. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. We buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you. Now this is Bible. This is Bible. I want you to turn to your neighbor to your right and say all. You're right. Turn your right. Okay. Now turn left. (laughs) All. Paul writing to Colossians here. Have quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. And took it out of the way. Where did he do it? Nailing it at the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And the church of God said, Amen. Amen. So thus what Paul is writing from, this offering has delivered you from the domain of all darkness. What's Paul saying here? He's delivered us 
from the domain of darkness. Transferring us now from this domain into the kingdom of his son to a different domain. He's transferred us from darkness to light, delivering us from all darkness. Now we have the responsibility of putting that darkness under your feet. Because you're on another domain. And that domain has dominion over that darkness. So now Paul is basically saying here, now we've got the privilege to put the devil under our feet. Why? Because we are now new creatures. We have been born again by the blood of the lamb. New creatures in Christ. Now here's where it's going to get a little bit squeaky. But it shouldn't. It shouldn't. And please don't let it become squeaky. Where now you have been forgiven, transferred from darkness to a domain of light, where now you have the privilege to put Satan under your feet. Now the believer has a divine privilege of now forgiving one another. We've been given this privilege. Oh, I'm gonna, it's going to get squeakier yet. It's going to get squeaky. I'm going to just talk to this group right here. Watch it. You've been given a privilege to forgive all the brothers and sisters' sin. But do you want to? Okay, church. Here, I'll get, I hope I get a better response over here. We've been given the privilege now by being moved from darkness to light to putting Satan under our foot, realizing the forgiveness of our own sin. Now we have the privilege of forgiving one another. See? The meter went up. Okay, let's see where we go here. So now as now we were born in sin, shaped in iniquity, coming into the world speaking lies. We need to be moved from darkness to light. Jesus comes to redeem his own. Only redeemable can get moved from darkness to light. And God has forgiven you all your sin. Now you're given the privilege to forgive one another's sin. I, I should come and preach back to you. Balcony, can I hear an amen? I don't think we need to repeat it four or five times. But God in his greatness, so this is where, where man fails and people fail to understand. And if you're in the Shekinah glory, there's a pulsation in you that's got to speak the word. You can't hold it back. The veil's been rent. You're under the glory. You've passed from darkness to light. Now you're living in that realm. That's the realm of God. And God forgives. 
God does not have limited forgiveness. Foolish virgin has limited forgiveness. Oh, boy, my. God has unlimited forgiveness to those that have been atoned by the blood of the Lamb. Wise virgins, ones that have the oil in their lamp, that have given in access because they had oil, living in another domain, give what God has given them. And what is that? God has given you full forgiveness. Brother Branham said in Questions and Answers, 1964, he says, the foolish virgin, are they saved? Yes, they are. But what happens is that they will go through tribulation. And the reason for this, they reject the full atonement. They limit God's atonement. Let us not limit it. It's unlimited. It's unlimited, saints. You start having an odd against the brother. You need to come to the altar. And that's why I wanted to start out with an altar call. You cannot have an odd against a brother and have the revelation of full atonement. If you don't forgive your brother, you're a foolish virgin. You say, well, how can you say that? I just quoted a prophet. Well, I don't know whether they were sincere enough. Foolish virgin. Oh, I better say that over here then, because I, I know some of you guys are thinking a lot of other things other than what I'm saying. If you cannot give what God has given you, and you say that you're living in his presence, and give forgiveness... He said, well, I don't know. She just did, she wasn't sincere or he wasn't sincere enough. That category is tribulation. That's my limb. Don't saw it off. I'm only saying what he said. And he says it again in that same paragraph. I just wrote it out by memory. But it's uh, 1964-08-2-3, evening, paragraph 174. Anybody wants to write that one down? So being then that we have been transferred from darkness, the domain of darkness, into a domain of light. And we now have the power to put darkness under our feet. And we have the power to forgive Everything. Why holding it? Why? Why? You tell me something. Why would you hold something against somebody? Now, what is that for? Now I'm just doing a little digging around the tree. I was going to leave it, but I'll go back to it. Why would you want to have something against somebody when it's not even a Christian attribute? Can I ask Balcony? Is there anybody here got a good reason? Maybe we'll have a class now. I'll be your professor for one minute. And ask the question to the class. Why would we want to hold that against somebody? When Jesus at the cross. Jesus at the cross. 
says, I forgive you. At the highest point of crucifixion. And yet somehow in our puny minds, we think that we can hold and harbor such ideas when it's anti-Bible and anti-message. Do you still love me? (laughs) Still love me, all right. Can I continue then a little bit more? I love Colossians. I get what I'm saying. I I love John. I love Colossians. I love Romans. I've been in Hebrews a lot. I love Hebrews. You know what? I love the Bible. So then, if we indeed have really experienced this liberation of freedom from our sin, shouldn't it then be a liberating force within all of our lives? How are you doing today? Brother Luis, how are you doing today? I love Brother Luis. I love it. He could have a backache, and he'll shake your hand and say, glory to God, Lord's going to heal me. Always a smile on his face. Why? In the good times? In the bad times? Right? Because it's liberating to know my sins have been forgiven. (laughs) That, That to me is liberating. You know what's not liberating? Unforgiveness will eat you alive. I sure didn't want to title that. But if you can't forgive, it's going to eat you alive. How many times have we ourselves over these many years prayed the Lord's Prayer? How many times forgive us of our debts as we forgive those? How many times? And then a prophet preaches perfect faith says it's based on forgiveness. That's why he can make such a strong statement. The foolish virgin doesn't believe in the full atonement. So then Paul writes in Romans 5 and 9, therefore, since we are now justified, justified, acquitted, made righteous, brought into relationship with God. That's what it means. By Christ's blood, how much more certain it is that we shall be saved by him from his indignation and wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, It is much more certain now that we are reconciled, that we shall be saved. We are reconciled and that we shall be saved. That saved means daily delivered from sin's domain. Because we've been purchased and bought out of dark domain into light domain and we're saved daily or delivered from sin's domain through the resurrection of life. I quoted then last week the song 
On Calvary's brow my Savior died. Twas there my Lord was crucified. Twas on the cross he bled for me and purchased there my pardon free. That's maybe a couple of verses we don't know. Oh, Calvary, dark Calvary, where Jesus shed his blood for me. Oh, Calvary, blessed Calvary, there was my Savior died for me. And thus, if we left it there, we would not know, or I would not know, but the prophet so often quoted, mid rendering rocks and darkened skies, my Savior bowed his head and died. The opening veil reveals the way. Here's what the poet wrote. To life divine, an endless day. If you live in the Shekinah of God's glory, it is a divine life. Divine life. It's divine. For Paul writes in Hebrews 10 and 14, for by one offering... He has perfected forever them that are sanctified. That's forever. If you haven't quite figured that one out, that's forever and ever and ever. For by one offering, it says in the Amplified, he was perfected forever, completely cleansed those who are being sanctified and bringing them to a spiritual completion to maturity. Powerful. Powerful. What did this? Who did this? The love of God did this. That's why he said the love is the most powerful force there is, it's the greatest force. But as I've spoken over the years, it's, it's not emotion. It's action. It's not love for a girl. That's, a, that, that's female love. A love for this and a love for that. This is God love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave himself action. It's action, not emotion. Get that one very straight. I, I, got, I love. Love is action. Laying your life down for one another. Action. No greater love has any man than this, that he would lay his life down. Action. So it was the love of God that came to us. Nathan, it's the love of God that would knock on your door. It was God Almighty that had you in his mind and in his thoughts before the foundation of the world. In the beginning, then, the Bible says in Genesis, in the beginning was the Word. And in St. John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word. Brother Bram says in the Pergamos Church Age, in the beginning was the Word. And that root of that word is logos. So in John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. The word is the logos, which means the thought or concept. It has a double meaning of thought 
and speech. So now you got before a word can be expressed, Brother Bram said it first has to be a thought before it can be a spoken. So when the Logos went out, it's thought and speech. It's not just God dwelt with his thoughts. It's God dwelt with his thoughts, then spoke the word. It has a double meaning, Brother Bram said, of thought and speech. Now a thought expressed is a word. Isn't that wonderful? He said it's beautiful. John says it's the concept of God. It's the concept or it's the thought expressed of God that was expressed in Jesus. So Brother Brown goes on to say, then the eternal Logos, God, the thought and concept of all God is, was manifested in his son. And in Jesus dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The eternal one manifested in the flesh, gained the title of son. Even so, we, eternal in his thoughts, in our turn became a many-membered, spoken word seed, manifested in flesh. <laughs> you are God's eternal thoughts. So you're not just the son, it's not just the thoughts of God. There had to be a speech that came with it. So now you're the manifestation of God's thought. Now you're manifested in the flesh as sons of God. Even so are we called. We have now been redeemed by that blood. God blood. Redeemed means he brings us or buys us back, restores us back to the original owner. So you're not the world, you're God's. That's why a prophet can say, take your hands off of God's property. You are not a Laodicean, you are God's. Hallelujah. You are God's thought manifested. And that's why a prophet can come on the scene and say, take your hands off of Gerard. Because he's in my eternal thought, Satan, and you cannot have him. I died for him. I put on flesh for him. I became blood for him. And that blood is a cleansing blood. I have purchased him. I have bought him. And you cannot have him. If I can say, Brother Gerard, I can put your name there. And you can put your name there. God bought me. I am a manifestation of the very thought of the Logos of God. So we're not just playing church now. Not just coming, sitting in a pew now. The depths of God is being unveiled to us. Now you're looking around and you're saying, you are a manifested thought of almighty God. Treat Michael better. Come on. How would you treat God? How do you treat Jesus? How would you treat Brother Branham? How would you treat our pastor? 
Oh, I want to get there so bad. I got a few pages to go. So now we're the thought of God manifested. Thought of God, and that's why Satan fights you so hard. Hey, you, do you think he fights the guy across the street that's having a beer right now watching a football game? He's got no thought of church, no thought of God, no thought of not, unless he's predestinated. Then he'd be miserable like I was. Because every time I had a bottle of beer, I'd say, where's God? I hate myself. I hate where I'm living. I don't want to be like this. Where is the God? What was it? It is the God part in me crying out to the God part out there. Deep, calling to the deep. Hallelujah. To know then, God bought back, Brother Branham said, God bought back now his own spoken word. He bought his spoken word back. He bought his shed blood, bought back his own. He bought back the spoken word seed bride. I hope this is okay, saints. But for me, when I'm when I lay in the down, I'm I'm having a jubilee. I'm getting up. I'm having twenty coffees. It's just that I, you know you get that stimulus. I got to get out of my seat. I got to walk down the hall. Is this really what's happening? And Joanne says, "Why are you drinking so much coffee?" I, I it, it, it's something churning, pushing, pulsating. Praise the Lord. It's not dead. It's alive. It's a living word. So now that word went out. The logos of God went out. The word, now you're manifested. You're manifested thought, and he bought you back. And Brother Bram said, he bought back you, the spoken word, seed bride. Why? My sheep know my voice. So he sent Malachi 4, because remember, the Baptist veil, veiled God. I'm sorry, the Hiderite veil veiled God. But then Malachi 4 had to come. Glory. A messenger had to come. And God had to rip the veil of tradition so that you and I could walk in the Shekinah glory. Because that's what your deep was calling for. And that's what my deep was calling for. I don't want to live outside the veil. I want to live within the veil. And that's why we can say, Brother Luis, Brother Ram said, once that veil is behind us, it doesn't matter. Stormy clouds, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what's happening on the outside. In his presence. There's no up and no down. It's even. Hallelujah. Who's found it so? Oh, the love that <laughs> wrote salvation's plan. Oh, the love that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span from sin. He breached the gulf by the blood. Brother Ram said, there's no more gulf. The blood closes it. 
God hidden and revealed in simplicity. He said the blood of Calvary closed the gulf that man and God can have fellowship once again. Hallelujah! That you can walk now in the Shekinah glory. Oh, the love. How powerful is love? How powerful. I'll tell you, love of a Memphis colored sister brings a plane down in a storm. I don't care if Brother Brown was flying to Tokyo. It wouldn't matter where his destination was. There was a Shumanite woman that had a son that was wayward. Come on. Stay with me. And she said, if I'm your Shumanite, where's my Elisha? Come on, come on, come on. Come on, Shumanite, Shumanite, Shumanite. What's your need this morning? Pull love down. It'll do whatever you want to do. You say, well, I've got the love of God. Pull it down. Lay it down. Be in action. She had a dying son. She had a son that was dying with syphilis, an immoral life disease. And would God have him in mind? He had the woman at the well in mind. He had Rahab in mind. He had Tom Ray in mind. Come on. So now here's a boy that's dying because of syphilis. And she wasn't going to let him die. Glory. She, oh my, you know, I'm not, somebody thinks, people think that I'm under a time restraint. I'm under no restraint. We're, We're under God restraint. Let me say something to you. This woman loved her son so much, she prayed all night, and she stood outside, had the dew on her back, saying, if I'm the Shumanite, she saw herself in the Bible. She said, if I'm the Shumanite, where's your Elisha? She did have no idea that there was an Elijah in the land. But her faith and her love brought the message to her. Glory! Why? She was brought from a kingdom of darkness to light, and she put her foot on that domain. Come on! Let's put our foot on our own domain. I've got a lost son this morning, and I'm going to pull down the word. Brother Bram starts walking. He doesn't even know why. He knows the storm brought him down. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, keep walking. Keep walking. Don't stop. Keep walking. And I, I believe this message has kept on walking. Amen. Amen. Because there's another Shumanite waiting for another need. Amen. Keep walking. And Brother Bram walking, walking, walking. All of a sudden, he hears, good morning, parson. He goes, how do you know I was a parson? She said, ah, I saw you. How could you see me? Oh, God. God, look what love did. She said, Parson, would you come in the house and pray? Brother Bram said, I, I love this sister. He went in to pray. He says, now, he says, now, 
She says, his heart's done eat out. He's lying there dying. Last night I prayed all night. He was unconscious for two days. I prayed all night. Come on, some Shumanites. I want some mothers with desperation. I need some fathers with desperation. That's what this message is all about. It's unveiling God amongst us. Don't get into a story of, of Memphis in, 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 in what, 1961 when he tells it? Get it down to today. Get it down to today. Well, you say, I got two children. I got four. I got eight. I don't care if you have 20. Save them. Love them. How do you love them? Lay your life down for them. Don't ignore them. He's just laying there unconscious. I said, Lord, you give me this baby as your servant. Where's your Elisha? She says, and I kept on praying. And that's where we fail. We pray once and we stop praying. Why don't you pray? Why don't you pray? Why don't you just keep on praying? Why don't you keep on believing? God's going to deliver them now. 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 She said, I, I kept on praying, and I kept on praying. I said, Lord, you gave me this baby. And I heard him say, it's getting dark in here, mama. It's getting real dark in here, mama. She did not care of the circumstance. He said, it looks pretty dark, Brother Tom. I don't care how dark it is. I don't care how sick he is. I don't care how unconscious he is. Her faith brought the word into her house. Come on. Your faith will bring the word into this house. Mama, it's getting real dark in here. It's getting real dark in here. That prophet's hearing it. It's getting real dark in here. She says, he said, she started crying. She started to wipe those old big cheeks. You see what I mean, Parson? I said, yes, ma'am. She says, will you pray next, Parson? He said, yes, ma'am. I nailed down. I said, you kneel with me. I put my hands on his feet. Heavenly Father, it's after 9 o'clock. My plane's been long gone. I pray that you'll be merciful. I don't know why you led me here. This is because I, I, I wouldn't have come this way unless you had led me. And this woman standing here, you never led us in vain. You're not here this morning in vain. You never let us hear in vain. You always show us what you're doing. So I pray, Father, if it's your will, let this boy grant the woman's request. Save him. I pray you'll heal his body. And while I was yet praying, oh, mama, oh, mama, it's getting real light in here. Glory. You keep praying. It might seem pretty dark, but all of a sudden, you'll start hearing, it's getting real light in here. What did it? The logos of God, the thought of God, being expressed of God. It was the logos. It was the love of God in her calling on the love of God to come down. That's Shekinah. That's the Shekinah I want to live in. Shekinah unending is all I long for. The great Logos of God, the Word, 
the love himself was manifested. And love has action and not emotion and raise that sick boy up. And raised him up. Love lifted me. Can you say that this morning? Love lifted me when no other veil could help. No other veil, no other tradition, no other creed, Brother Terry. But then Jesus came. And that's the Jesus I'm identified with. Michael, can you say amen back there? I'm not used to you being in a back row pew. That's weird to me. That's the gospel I'm identified with. Can you say amen? Amen. Brother Bram said in Mighty God until before us, he says, I'm identified with George Washington at, at Delaware. So when were you there, Brother Branham? He said, I'm identified with the, them at Guam raising the flag. He said, I was there when they rang the bell, the Liberty Bell. He said, I was there when Jesus died on the cross. I was there when he rose from the dead. I was there when the upper room experience came place, took place. He said, I was there. Can I say something? I was on the Ohio River. Listen, a prophet can go to Guam. He can go to uh, General Jackson. Come on. Don't, I tell you, I'll have a few limbs, but they're okay. It makes good firewood. He was there with George Washington on the Delaware. He was there with, when Moses, when God came and parted the Red Sea. That's what he said. I was there. I was there when I drank water from the rock. And he says, I'm still drinking it. So I thought, well, if Brother Branham was there, then I had to be there. Then if he was there on the Ohio River, I was there. If he was there at Houston when the pillar of fire came, I was there. Hallelujah. Brother Ed, forgive me. But this one, I really had a couple. I just got out of my seat. When my pastor was on the log with the green checkered shirt, I'm sorry, on the log, I was there. When he had the green checkered shirt on, guess what? You were there. Come on. It's all God. I want you to view it a whole different way. It's not Brother Ed, the veil I look past. It's God in the veil. It's not Brother Tom, it's God in the veil. Hallelujah. You got to identify with it. I thought, Brother Ed, forgive me. When you were in Toronto and you were wrenching, do I move back west and go back west? Cloverdale. Who on earth comes to Cloverdale from Toronto? You tell me that is not the Logos of God. You tell me that wasn't the thought of God put into a mind of a man. And my dad gets transferred from Chilliwack to Cloverdale the same year. 
I was there when you made the decision, Brother Ed. I was there when you opened up Bible Way House. I was here when this church was being built. And so were you. Is that too strong? I hope not. I hope it's okay. I hope it's okay. Because listen, if the prophet can go back to Moses and he can be that, and he can be with the rock, and he can be with the opening of the Red Sea, and he can be, huh? He can be with, with, with the upper room, and he can be at the cross, and he can be, I was there. I was in Christ there. I was in Christ there. So then, I, was I in Brother Bisco? No. But I was in Christ in Brother Bisco. Come on, people. Don't get quiet on me now because we're living in the Shekinah glory. Hallelujah. God made an entrance for us that we could have fellowship. God having fellowship with his thoughts. And we're fellowshipping back this morning, saying, Lord, I love you this morning. I love you. I love you. I love you. You might have torn the veil in Matthew and tore the veil in Mark, and you tore the veil in Luke. But John cried out under that eagle anointing, it is finished. And he cried it out for you and I this morning. Whatever your need is, our God is here to meet your need under this great price that was paid at Calvary. Musicians, why don't you come, please? Amen. Something was lost in us. Something was lost in us. Our our salvation, we're groaning, Brother Bram said, in the breach. He said, we were groaning. He says, it's like a man that's in a hole, clawing, trying to get out. Where's God? Screaming, where's God? It's like a person that's struck with a disease or an ache or a pain, but they're groaning. They're not right. There's something wrong. They're groaning. They want to get back to what they had in health. And when nature and peoples, as the Bible said, are groaning, there's something that they're not in their ought-to-be condition. God, there's something in you groaning. Let me get out of my situation, Lord. I want to get back to my ought-to-be condition. I want to live in that Shekinah glory. I want it to be perceptible. I want people to see that God is all around me. I want them to know I moved from a dark domain into a light domain, and I'm putting that dark domain under my foot. What will it do? What will it do for a born-again son of God? I was born to be a dwelling place, a home for the presence of the Lord. What will it do for you this morning? What would the presence of God do for you this morning? Would it do something like it did for that woman at the well? When now there was Jesus trying to rent the veil for her. She just saw him as a Jew. Then she saw him as a prophet. He kept on tearing it. To finally, when he finally tore it, she said, when the Messiah comes, he'll tell us these things. I that speak to thee am he. What an unveiling. Why God wanted to catch that thought. 
that redeemable thought and make it manifest. But Brother Bram said, now what was happening there? What was happening? And mighty God unveiled before us. He said, what was happening? She knew that when the Messiah comes, she knew something. Where did she get it? She was a Samaritan. There was a seed, Brother Bram said, called representation. Where did I get? God, you're somewhere. Where'd that come from? From a heathen home. You didn't come from man. You weren't born of the flesh. You weren't born by the will of man. You are born by the word of God. He said, now what was happening to her? He said, now, he says, what was happening? She was putting a scripture together with the experience. And he said, as she brought that scripture and experience together, it brought Messiah. It brought Messiah on the scene. It brought that revelation to her. I wonder if you could take that experience that's happening here this morning. Take the scriptures that we've read this morning. Take that experience now and let the Messiah move for you. Maybe you have a need. He's still here to meet the need. Say, well, Brother Tom, I, I can't even utter it. It's so, so heavy on my heart then why don't you just lift up your heart to him? Say, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Zechariah, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the God of William Branham, is my God this morning that can move and meet your need this morning. So if you have an individual need, I want you to stand, put the experience with the scripture and let Messiah come by your way this morning.
behind the veil, I long, I long to see his face. want to speak, speak to him. Just, Lord, you're altogether lovely. You're altogether worthy. You're altogether holy. And I worship you this morning for truly an entrance has been made for me in this generation. Lord, you've given us access as the blood washed purchased of God. Lord, we love you with a great love knowing, Lord. Your very present help in time of trouble. Maybe there's somebody troubled this morning. Lord, you knew the woman at the well, and yet the disciples, and what is he talking to her? Lord, maybe you're talking to somebody this morning, and you've left the disciples, and you're speaking to one. Lord, that would mean everything to me. Speaking to one thought of God. Surrender your life. Give me your heart. Receive my salvation. Take a hold of the blood of the Lamb. Be washed by the water of the Word of God. Accept the Lamb of Calvary this morning. And then walk through that veil. Jesus, I pray that you will deal with the savable. As your prophet said, that in another term he used, Lord, save the redeemable. Go after the lost, Lord. Seek out your own. Deliver your children. Lord, let there be a joy within their souls. Lord, they're your sheep of your pasture. Brother Tim prayed, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Lord, you said that, lovest thou me, Peter, more than these? We love you with a great love, Lord. Then we're under that commission to feed my sheep and feed my lambs. Would you bless your people this morning? May the word of God open to every one of us, Lord. We want to see you high and lifted up in all your glory. 
Father, we commit every need, every burden, every heart, every soul into your care. In Jesus' holy and wonderful name, we pray, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. How great is our God. I don't believe he's finished here this morning. I do not believe he's finished this morning. He's a great God. He's worthy of all glory. I'm not in a hurry. I hope you're not in a hurry. The word's been ministered. Let the presence of God rain down on that seat. And whatever your need is, may it supernaturally come by your way. You say, well, Brother Tom, how will I know what happened? It'll happen. I just had a testimony the other day telling Brother Biscal in, in the pastor's study. We had a couple visiting from Louisiana in our home the other day. They said, Brother Tom, we want to tell you an amazing event that took place at our dedication service. He said, Brother Biscoll, on that Sunday morning, we had a family that was in and out. They'd go to this church. They'd go to that church. They didn't know where they belonged. He said, but he heard Brother Biscoll preach that Sunday morning. He has never been the same again. He said, he sits in the second row. He's got his hands lifted up. He worships as God. He always wants to talk about his God. It happens in the most unusual way. But if you expect it, you're going to get what you expect this morning. A Chinese woman that wasn't even saved gets healed. And now translating in Japan, I say, to God be the glory. What is it? It's the thought of God being manifested. Whatever your need is this morning, I believe the Holy Spirit can meet your need. How great the splendor of.
name. Can you do me one favor this morning? If you haven't said praise the name of the Lord Jesus yet this morning, can you do that for me? Praise the name of our Lord Jesus. Bless his holy name, for he's worthy of all glory, and he's worthy of all praise. Live in the Shekinah glory, saints. Don't let them become messages to you. Let them become statements and declarations. What is the prophet? What's the mind of God trying to tell us when I lift up that book? The mighty God unveiled before us. When he comes towards the end of the book, he says that it once dwelt in the tent. It once dwelt within Solomon's temple. Now it's dwelling in you. The glory of God is dwelling in his people again. I take that as a wonderful statement. And Lord, may I live and may it be perceivable and may people see it in my heart and in my life and may he see it in yours this week. Every action, he said, every deed that's done, he says, then you'll know I Messiah's on earth. Let us become then what the word has called us to be. Brother Darren Hoffman, would you come close, please? you so love us that you came down from your splendor, from your glory, dear God, to become human like us, Lord, to limit yourself that you could take our sins upon you. Lord, you became that lamb that day. You took our sins upon you. Oh, you took our sins to the grave. You took our sins to hell. You took our place. The blood was shed. The veil was rent. You cried, it is finished. You paid the price. And you rose triumphantly, Lord Jesus, as the lion of the tribe of Judah to rule and reign over the devil, dear God. And you've given us that authority, Lord, to put him under our feet. We thank you, Lord Jesus, this day that you've given us your word, not the words of a man, but Lord Jesus, it's thus saith the Lord. And we're standing on it. We're walking in it, Lord Jesus. We're putting it upon our lips. Lord Jesus, we're tucking it into our hearts even this morning as the word came over this pulpit, Lord. We thank you for using our brother Tom today, Lord. Father, it's a wicked world out there. It's a gross darkness and gross darkness to people. But you said, arise and shine for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. Lord, that's our heart's desire. We want people to see the Christ within us. We are your temples in this day, dear God. Lord Jesus, temples not made with hands, but by the spoken word of God. And Lord, we just want to yield ourselves to that, Father. We want that word to infiltrate every area of our lives, every area of our homes, Lord, our families, our loved ones, Lord Jesus. We want them to experience, Father, what we've experienced. We want them to meet the God that we have met, the one that has transformed our lives and made us new creatures in Christ. That's our heart's desire, dear God. That's the only thing that matters here on earth, Lord. Father, as we're waiting for that rapture, Lord Jesus, we just want to press in, Lord. We just want to fight the good fight of faith. 
Lord Jesus, to get ourselves out of the way, that you would be magnified in us and through us, Lord, to this dying world, Lord. We so thank you, Father, and just ask that you go with your people. Lord, it's great strength you've given us, Father, and we want to go with it, Lord, and impress on this battle, Lord, whatever trials or whatever testings may come this coming week, Lord. We can just, Lord Jesus, just reach down into our script bag, dear God, and pull out that rock of faith, Lord, knowing that you'll never leave us, never forsake us. You'll never give us more than we can bear, Father. And we just give you thank, just give you thanks, Father, for the confidence you've given us in your word today. Just go with your people, we pray, and just strengthen our brother Tom, Father, we ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Remember, not this next weekend. It's a long weekend. The following weekend, September 9th, we'll be going back to our regular schedule. Greet one another with a godly handshake. Pray for one another this week. And watch God start moving amongst us in a special way. Pray until, saints of God, you're dismissed in Jesus' name.